Well, we're well into January, soon to come out in the new year. I trust that you had a truly happy Christmas. Um, we had our family come to us from far and wide, as far away as Cornwall, the furthest. And um, we had a lovely time by a log fire, made you jealous if you didn't have one. And amongst the many lovely presents I had, I had 11 pair of socks. <laughs> And wait for it, six boxes of sweets. <laughs> now, I don't know if that says something about me, but I haven't eaten the six boxes of sweets I shared them. I shared them out. In fact, I probably had less of them than other people. So, <laughs> just so you don't get the wrong idea. But the point I'm going to make now is it's back to the everyday, isn't it? Christmas is that once a year special time, and we have time for family, I hope we do it other times as well. For those who go out to work, you have time off work. And it is a special time, isn't it? The end of a busy year, and the winter is here, and the dark, cold days are here, and we have time to refresh ourselves. Back to the everyday now, though, isn't it? Into the new year. And you know, the, the passage of scripture we've had today is about Jesus coming into the everyday, that's Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. The story of Jesus walking by the lake of Galilee called Gennesaret here in Luke. It's only Luke who calls it that. In uh, Mark's Gospel it's called the Lake of Galilee or the Sea of Galilee, 14 mile long and 6 mile wide. This is where these men worked, working men, fishermen, maybe a bit rough in some people's estimations, but working men in their everyday lives. And Jesus walked into their everyday life. Can you say, I, I think I know all of you, <laughs> I'm sure what the answer will be, but I'll ask it anyway. Has Jesus walked into your life, into your everyday life? Has he made the difference? It's amazing. We, we can't see him physically now. We see him by faith, but we know when he comes into our lives. We feel his presence. We hear in a special way his voice. It may not be with these ears, but with the ears of the heart. We, we hear him. And it's in the everyday. We've just sung that very appropriate hymn. Thanks to the one who chose the hymn tonight, the very appropriate they always are. I need you, Lord, every hour. I don't just need you maybe at Christmas, Easter, or when there's some special occasion, or whether when there's some trouble in my life, I do need you then. But I need you every hour. I need you when things seem to be going quite well, and I haven't a care in the world. I might feel I need you then, but I do. I do, because those things can change in a moment, like those dear young people coming down the horseshoe pass the other week. James and I were just behind them. We got directed down the old horseshoe path and we saw the car and the police. We didn't know the extent of the accident. We saw the car mangled up on the side of a bank. We were just behind them. Those young men may have been chatting, may have had their music on in the car, with their lives before them, yet they needed the Lord. They didn't know they need him. Things change so quickly, don't they? 
but we need the Lord at all times. And here we see the Lord coming into these everyday working people's lives. You know, sometimes people think uh, Christians are a certain type of person. They're born like that, you know? Serious religious type, you know? That, that sort of type, you know, perhaps their father has been a minister and a preacher, or their grandfather or their grandmother, and they're all like that. Well, some are like that, but not all. Myself, my mum and dad didn't go to church. They were nice people, they were good living people. They were a good mum and dad, but they didn't go to church. They sent me along as a young person, and I thank God they sent me along. I had no Christian background at all. I call myself a religious person. Religion is mentioned in the Bible. <laughs> Some people say, oh well, Christians are not religious, you know. But they are. The Bible talks about true religion. The true religion, the religion of Almighty God, the worship of Almighty God. But here they are, these fishermen, who would have ever thought that they would turn out to be the special messengers of Jesus Christ, called apostles, that's what it means, special messengers of Jesus Christ. Fishermen, God spoke to them, God chose them, Jesus Christ came into their life. It was just another day. Well, it had just been another night shift. <laughs> Ever worked the night shift, any of you? Sure, some of you have. I never liked the night shift. <laughs> I never liked the night shift. I couldn't sleep properly during the day. And I was glad when the shift changed with the night shift. They'd been doing the night shift. They'd been fishing all night. They were experienced men. They knew what they were about. They knew where the fish were. They knew how to catch them. But they caught absolutely nothing. And they were exhausted. We can read that into the words. One day, just another day, for these men, that's how it started. And maybe to someone listening tonight, it may have just been another weekend, another day. Or maybe when you're listening, it's just another day. But then it becomes a special day. One old song we used to sing was, When Jesus came into my heart. That's when he changed my days. That's when he changed my life. Jesus was there standing by the lake, having a look round. Aware of those who were there, and Jesus is aware of you, and aware of me. He knows us through and through, for he's the Son of God. He was there, and the people were crowding round him. They, they were pressing on him. They wanted to hear the word of God. How different it is in Wales today. You know, that sort of thing was here. You'd have to extend the building. We'd have to use the gallery and plank off them. Even with our bookshop down one side of the gallery, we still hold 450 seats there. Even we would have a job getting them all in. They were crowding around him to hear the word of God. Oh, what rubbish we listen to these days. What rubbish is advertised on our televisions and in our magazines and newspapers. What rubbish we listen to and laugh at. I feel sorry for those people who sometimes bring us the rubbish. Sometimes they're comedians who earn a lot of money with their jokes, sometimes about tragic things. You know, tragic things. But how tragic their lives are sometimes. Sometimes there's a program on about the famous comedian who's died. There was one on the other night, by the way. 
And when you get behind the jokes and the smiles and the stage that they're on, you find that their lives weren't like that at all. They had sad times. They had difficult times. And some of them were afraid of dying. The jokes were just the front that covered up the sadness. Oh, what rubbish we listen to sometimes. But oh, to hear what God has to say. That's in the Bible. That's through people who will teach us the Bible and preach the Bible to us. I think it was said of, I'm not sure of the last government, tell the young people what they need to know. But don't preach at them. Don't preach at them. Well, preachers are those who tell forth the word of God. I hope God preaches at people. <laughs> he does it better than I could. I hope he's the one who gets to the places where the preacher can't get. Oh, we need to hear what God has to say because he's our creator, our maker. Whatever the evolutionists may say, they don't really know where we came from. They're still struggling. This expensive machine in Switzerland and France hasn't solved the problem, has it? It costs a lot of money. It hasn't solved the problem. They don't know where we come from. They can't really tell us why we're here. And they certainly can't tell us where we're going. The Bible does. Isn't that wonderful? And it won't cost billions of pounds to find out where we came from. Just read the first pages of the Bible in Genesis, which means the beginning. And read the first pages of the Gospel of John, which repeats this and speaks of Jesus Christ, God's eternal Son. He's the one who took our human nature along with his God nature and came to this world and lived without sin, yet not without compassion and understanding for people. He wasn't up on a pedestal looking down at others. Here he is standing with the people. He even felt the crush of the people crowding round him and listening to the word of God. Oh, for days like that again. Anyone listening to this, and I know there may be others listening to this other than congregation here tonight. Read a Bible. Get a Bible. Read the Bible. Hear the Word of God. If you don't understand it, find someone who does to explain it to you. And you will find it special. So much different to what we hear on our television and the internet. They were listening to the Word of God. We need to listen, not to dismiss it. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Their everyday job. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. How kind the Lord is. He made the very wood and metal in that boat as <laughs> the creator. He owns everything, yet kindly he asks, and me your boat. <laughs> Isn't that what the Lord says when he comes into someone's life? Lend me your life. Give me your life. Let me come into your life. And he told these fishermen to just put out a little from the shore so he'd separate in a way from the crowd so they could see him. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. <coughs> Very sensible thing to sit down in the boat. You stand up, there could be problems. But that was the way the teachers did preach in those days. They 
or will stand up like this, they, they sat down. They sat down and with the people on a level with the people, not above the people. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. He taught them. This is what the Word of God is all about. It's about teaching us. Teaching us the things that we need to know. I must admit, um, I wasn't one who loved school. <laughs> I had to leave school at 15. But I think I've learned more since I left school than ever I learned in school <laughs> about everyday life. But the greatest things I've learned are from the Bible. And I'm sure that those, there's many who've been to college and university and very clever people, they would say the same. We've learned more from the Bible than from all other books. All the lectures, all the teaching. We've learned more about ourselves and about the world we live in and about the God who created us from the Bible. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. We sometimes say the Lord is no man's debtor. You know, he doesn't owe us anything. In fact, the balance is the other way, isn't it? He gives us more than we can ever repay him for. He never takes from us without giving us a hundred times and more, the Bible says. So here he rewards Peter and his friends for lending him the boat. Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Christianity is a deep thing. It's not a shallow thing. It's not a complicated thing, as some people would say, and the, the, the devil would say to us. It's complicated. You'll never understand it. It is not complicated at all. I learnt it as an ordinary young fellow in Liverpool, with not a great deal of education, as I said. I learnt it, and I was able to understand it. It's not a complicated thing, the Christian message. But it's a deep thing. It goes deep. It goes deep. It's not shallow. It's not on the surface. It gets to our hearts. It gets to places where other teaching doesn't get. Let down your nets for a catch. Simon, who was an experienced fisherman, answered, Master, we've worked all, hard all night. In other words, we're exhausted. <laughs> and we caught nothing. It's one of those nights. Life can be like that sometimes, when we don't seem to get anything from it. It all seems to be empty and useless. Your life like that? But then Jesus makes all the difference. He said, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. He could have said to him, now hold on a minute. I've been fishing since I was a young lad, as they do in those parts of the world. I was three or five when I first got into the boat with my father. I know this lake like the back of my hand. I know where the fish are. I know that if we didn't catch them all night, we're not going to catch them now. Night's the best time anyway to catch fish. He could have said that. Who are you to tell me? You're not a fisherman, as far as I know. You're the carpenter's son. But no, Peter was humble. He wasn't proud. We can be proud, can't we? No one's going to tell me how to live my life. I'll do it my way. There was a little bit about Frank Sumatra the other night on the television. Don't think I'm always watching telly, but I like to know what's going on. <laughs> I like to know what's going on. I did it my way. 
And everybody claps. Everybody claps when someone sings that. It's a tragedy. It's not something to clap at. It's something to be sad at. That's the trouble with the world. We've done it our way. The song should be, I've done it God's way. I've gone God's way. And I'm blessed. So, Peter doesn't argue. <laughs> he just says, you said, do it. And we'll do it. That's, that's faith, isn't it? So, he does it. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. What an amazing thing. Peter had seen some good catches in the past. <laughs> they surpassed them all. The boats began to sink. Notice they didn't sink. They got to shore. They got there and, and the fish were there to be sold and to be distributed. And they worked together in doing this. I'm sure there's a message there about Christian work for those of us who are Christians. We need to work together. Don't let the burden be all on one. Work all on one or another. Share it together and reap the fruits, the benefits together, isn't it? Rejoice together in the work of the Lord. We can't all do the same thing, but we can share in the same work, can't we? <coughs> when I used to work in industry, we had lots of different disciplines to do. Mine was just one of them on the production line, but I needed someone else to do some work before I did my work. And then someone else after me <laughs> to do their work. And together, there was a unity and a working together. And Christianity is about joining not just a team, it is a team, but it's a family. It's a family. It's family business, we might say. It's working together. And we can call someone who is not our blood family, our brother or our sister. And we work together. It's a wonderful thing. And in families, as we say at Christmas time, there were the little babies in their mother's arms. There was the teenagers. There were young mums and dads. There were middle-aged. And then there were the grandfathers, grandmothers, the nines and tights, as we say in Wales. All the different ages. The Christian family is like that. It's for the young, the very young, not so young, and for the elderly. And we work together for the Lord. They signal to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. In that vision, the Apostle Paul had, there was a man saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And the word help, it's um, rather amusing in, in a good sense that when he got there, there wasn't a man to greet him, there was a woman. <laughs> and she was converted and became Christian. But eventually, he met a man, we had that in our pastor's preaching this morning, the Philippian jailer who, who was saved in the same place as the woman. <laughs> but he met a woman. <coughs> but he went there and, and, and did the work of, of the Lord. Help was needed. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. He fell at Jesus' knees. You know, we need to fall on our knees sometimes, don't we? When we fall on our knees, it really is saying, I'm helpless. I can't. I can't cope. 
fall on my knees. I, I often do that at home. In, in church we have pews like you and we probably have the job getting on our, our knees. But at home, on my own at times, I go on my knees. It doesn't make my prayers any better. But I feel I need to do that because I have needs. He fell at the feet of Jesus. One old hymn we used to sing says, At his feet we humbly fall, crown him, crown him, Lord of all. That's it, who are we? You're the great Son of God. You're the lovely Son of God. You can do what no one else can do for me. He fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. It's interesting that some people, when you talk to them about Jesus Christ, about God and Christianity, they say, I don't want to know. In other words, they say, and sometimes they literally say, go away. <laughs> they literally say that in, in those words, go away. Peter wasn't saying it in that way. Go away. I don't want you. He was saying, Lord, you're holy. You're pure. You're good. I'm Peter, the sinner. This rough fisherman. Sometimes I swear. Sometimes I say things I shouldn't say. Sometimes I do things I shouldn't do. Lord, I don't deserve to be on the same piece of ground that you are on, that your feet are on. That's what he was saying. He wasn't saying, you know, go away. I don't want you. In fact, in a way, his heart was saying, don't go away. His heart was saying, I do need thee. I do need you, Lord. It's interesting, later on in the life of Peter, we read in John chapter 6 that there came a time when many of the disciples of Jesus went back and walked with him no more. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? So-called followers devoted to Jesus and they turned back. Not because they didn't understand him, but because they did understand him, but they weren't prepared to make that commitment to him. And then Peter said to the twelve, his twelve apostles, or first disciples, do you also want to go away? Guess who answered? The same one who said, go away. <laughs> the Lord said, do you want to go away? The same one who said to Jesus, go away. Jesus said to him, do you want to go away? This is what he said. Notice he doesn't say master now. He did say master before, it means teacher. Now he uses the word Lord. Lord, a greater word in a way. A word that says, you're above all. Lord. Lord, to whom shall we go? <laughs> Who else can we go to? For you have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was the wonderful change in Peter's life. Jesus didn't go away. And many of us can thank him that when we perhaps said go away in our early days, that he didn't go away. But now he says to Peter, will you go away? And Peter says, Lord, where will I go? There's no one like you. You have the words of eternal life. Life which is the life of heaven. Life which goes, which starts in this life, but goes beyond this life. Life which is forever and a quality of life that 
no one else could ever give me. My sins forgiven. Reconciled to my maker, God. God is no longer my judge, he's my friend. That's the wonderful thing, isn't it? You have the words of eternal life. I find it sad when people pay tribute to someone who's died. Not that they pay tribute. I hope I'm sensitive to that. But sometimes they say to the person, oh, they were a fun-loving person. They lived life to the full. Well, I kindly would contradict them, because the Bible does. It says only Jesus can give us the fullness of life. He said that when he spoke about the Good Shepherd, that he was a Good Shepherd. He says, I am come that they might have life, have it to the full. Only Jesus can give us life to the full, eternal life, and it starts now. Also, we come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Anointed One, you are God's Appointed One to come and to save sinners, to live and to die for them, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. Jesus speaks about his humanity. Christ speaks of his heavenly nature, the Anointed One. This is what Peter said. Later on, Peter was involved in another great catch after Jesus had come back from the dead. And um, we find that they're fishing and they've caused a great catch because Jesus is on the shore and told them where to fish again. But they didn't realise at that time it was Jesus. This is in John chapter 21, verse 7. And John <coughs> said to Peter, John was with him in the story, we've read as well, they're both fishermen. John said to Peter, it is the Lord. What happened? Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. <laughs> That's how much Jesus meant to Peter now. Lord, I can't go away from you. And when he saw him on the shore, why didn't he wait till the boat got to the shore? Why did he have to jump into the water? That was Peter. He often jumped into the deep end. And thankfully the Lord was there to make sure he didn't drown on another occasion. He often went into the deep end. But you know, Christianity and Jesus to Peter wasn't just a hobby. It was everything. He plunged into the water. He had to go and see Jesus. We're told that when they got this great catch of fish, that Peter and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. You will catch men. Didn't he? You would catch them out. <laughs> you would take advantage of them. You would con them. What he meant was, you'd have a big net that brought, not dead fishing, <laughs> but brought people to Jesus Christ. Another kind of fishing. Peter and these other men became the apostles of Jesus Christ. They started it all off after Jesus. And we have to continue it. We're not apostles like they were, but we're Christians, we're disciples. We're disciples. Jesus said to a group of Jews who once believed on him, 
You are my disciples. When they went to apostles, these people, you are my disciples. If you continue in my word. If you continue in my word. We find that in John's Gospel as well. And, you know, once we become Christians, the proof that we're Christians is that we carry on with Jesus. We don't go away. We listen to his word in the Gospels, what he said, and what his prophets and apostles said in the word of God. We continue with him. And we're part of that team too. Part of that team, I know, here in Penacar, you done your Christmas events, but they weren't just events, were they? You wanted to tell people how great God is, how great he is, to send his son as a little baby into the world. Yes, you wanted to do that. But you wanted to tell people who Jesus really is. The old hymn says, everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Anyone who's listening tonight, do you know who Jesus is? He's not just someone from the past. Not just a good man, he was all that. <laughs> not just a, a miracle worker, he, he was that. He's the divine son of God. Another man who didn't want to know Jesus eventually said, my life's been changed. He said, the life I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself to die for me. That's how precious Jesus is. You know, when Peter fell on his knees, he realized he was a sinner. Sometimes people don't like you to use that word. That's the word they use in the Sunday papers that I don't read, by the way. <laughs> but I know they use that word. They use it for pedophiles, murderers, and so on. But the Bible says we've all sinned. We might have done those horrific things, but we've all sinned in the eyes of God. He's holy and perfect. And Peter knew this. That's why he fell at the Lord's feet. Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. We're all sinners. We all need to be saved. And the only place we can be saved is at the feet of Jesus. He died on that cross. He had his feet pierced and his hands and his side wounded. But at his feet we find our sins are forgiven. Then for those who have come to Jesus Christ, Jesus said, If anyone serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serve me, him my Father will honour. To be a Christian, it's not just to feel better. You do feel better when you come to know the Lord. In, in many ways, you feel, you feel better. <clears throat> Even coming of a Sunday to worship, can make you feel better in your mind, in your body, in your soul. You do feel better, but it's more than that. It's to serve him. We're God's children when we become Christian. We come into his family, but it's to serve him, to do a work for Jesus. As one old song said, there's a work for Jesus, none but you can do. You know, it may be that where you are situated in life, that the Preachers, the greatest of them, can never get there. Never know the people that you know, family you know, the workmates, the schoolmates, the college mates. They perhaps can never get there, but you are there. And if the Lord 
forgives your sins and makes you a Christian, you can serve him there. There's many a young person who's come to become a Christian in college and university or in the workplace because someone else has spoken to them about Jesus. And the great preachers have never been there, but they've been there. There's a work for Jesus, none that you can do. You can serve the Lord wherever you are. Your family, your school, your college, your workplace. I, before I went into the, into the ministry full-time, I was preaching years ago <laughs> from a young age, but I worked in industry and I was there as a Christian. As well as a worker, I shared with the others and they knew that I was a Christian. Sometimes they would come and ask me questions about God, <laughs> about life, about problems. You know, the great preachers weren't there, but little me in my, my working clothes, my overalls were there. <laughs> and you can serve the Lord where you are. Where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves him, serve me, him my Father will honour. The Lord is with us, and one day we'll be with him in heaven. <laughs> That's where that dear lady we spoke of earlier on, Jean, is now in heaven with Jesus Christ. If anyone serves me, him, my Father, will honour. Isn't that amazing? God will honour us if we honour him. So, as we come to a close tonight, after so much more that could be said, but the simple message is this, that Jesus is not just found in chapels and churches, cathedrals, places like that, Jesus can be found in your home. Jesus can be found in your workplace, in your college, in your school. Jesus comes there. Will you recognise him when he comes? Will you listen to him when he comes? Will you say, I don't want all this religious stuff, go away? Or will you say like Peter, Lord, I don't deserve to have you in my life. I'm a sinner. But Lord, forgive me. And Lord, don't go away. <laughs> don't go away. Help me to be one of these fishes of men. And of course, that means not just males. <laughs> it means boys, girls, teenagers, older people as well. Thank God that you hear in other churches. Um, don't forget the older folk as well. We thank God for his work. We thank him for the Lord Jesus Christ who comes and stands by us and brings us his word and blesses us. And I can say regarding the, the great catch of fish that Peter and his friends had here and again later on, another story, similar story, is that the Lord's arithmetic is better than any mathematician. I've seen him do great things with small things. And you'll never be at a loss for having Jesus Christ in your life. May the Lord speak to you. And may the Lord save those who are not yet saved. What do we mean by saved? <laughs> we're Christian to you. It means we're saved from our sins and ruining our lives. It means we're saved from the judgment of God, Jesus, 
took our judgment upon the cross. It's all over. He did it for us. It means we're saved from hell. It means we're saved for heaven. That's what it is to be saved. And those who know they're saved, the Lord calls you, along with others, to be fishers of men, to serve him. Oh, may the Lord bless us as fishers of men. May he show us the right place to catch. May we use the only net that is the official one, the word of God, the gospel net. And may God be pleased to give us a great catch of fish and we'll be astonished and glorify him. May you know that in the days to come at Penachai here, may we know it in Flangotham, but we can say this in parts of the world that we hear of in our missionary uh, news. That's happening right now. The nets are so full that they're breaking. Amen. Let's close our time of worship here. We can still worship the Lord, of course, in our lives at home, wherever we are. We're going to sing 549. Another personal line. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come on to me and rest. Lay down now, weary one, lay down. Thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found in him a resting place. And listen to this bit. And he made me a miserable Christian. No. And he has made me glad. Thank you, Glenn.